you know, his, uh, it's just the stuff that happens is, just, again, you cannot plan this stuff. Um, so when they start singing and, you know, they're talking about God's holiness and then there's this fire coming up through the screen. I think it was this morning and or last night, I can't remember when, but God was talking to me about like his red hot holiness, like how red hot it is. And sometimes we don't think of holiness as being like hot or like fire or like, you know, that type of thing. But his, his holiness is red hot fire. <laughs> you know, in, in the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, when the disciples hit the ground, he zips himself out of his earth suit, so to speak. And it's like, this, this is actually what I look like. And it says his face was shining like the sun, like the brightness of the sun. And if you look in Revelation, it talks about this idea of what he looks like. You know, it talks about his feet being like furnished bronze, like he, he's, he's fire. <laughs> uh, you know, he's hanging out with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. You know how he did it? Because his holiness is red hot. His holiness is red hot. That was free. So, I'm sitting back there and I just wrote some things down. And this message is called joy. What a powerful word. And it's just three letters, J-O. Why? Joy, 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 joy to the world. This is kind of like a pre-Christmas message, so to speak. I didn't even plan it like that. So, dawned on me last night. So, when the wise men saw the star that was guiding them to Jesus, it says that they rejoiced, not just with joy, but with exceedingly great joy. Isn't it crazy, though, if you think about it, that these wise men were following a star in the sky <laughs> that was leading them to Jesus. Just think, I mean, think about that for a second. So you're the wise men, you're walking around, and you're like, okay, to the left. All right, to the right. All right, it's going that way, it's going that way. <sighs> uh, everything obeys him. He made it all. Walking on water, walking through walls. He made it all. It says, Jesus came to bring great joy. In Luke 12... Chapter 2, it says, An angel of the Lord came to the shepherds and said, I bring you tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Great joy. Angelic activity happening all over the place in the shepherds' fields. And they came and they said, "He, You know, it's great joy coming. When Mary greeted Elizabeth, it says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit John the Baptist, who was in Elizabeth's womb for six months now, not he hasn't been born, he's conceived, it's been six months, leaped in her womb for joy. Now picture that. Mary speaks over Elizabeth, John the Baptist is up inside of her, and John the Baptist is like, hey, hey, hey. Oh, oh boy. Jesus is already touching people, and he hasn't even been born, been born yet. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. Later on, Zacharias is filled with the Holy Spirit. We want everybody to be filled with the Holy Spirit because <laughs> it's really cool and it's awesome. That's where the great joy actually exists. Leaping for great joy. John 15 says this. This is starting in verse 5 in chapter 15. This is what it says. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. In other words, I'm going to be feeding you. I'm going to be working through you. You are the go-between. I'm going to move in you and through you and out of you. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Do you know what the second on the fruit of the Spirit, the list of the 
fruit of the spirit, of the spirit, of the spirit, it's love. It's, what's number two? It's joy. There's something about joy. And I've, I've been thinking lately about how all these things intertwine with each other. You know, the grace, the mercy, the peace, the joy, the long-suffering, the kindness, the goodness. I, it's just this interworking and networking of all these things. It's just so interesting. But number two is joy. It must be important. It comes right after love. But he says, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can't do anything. That's good news. We are reliant on this red-hot Savior named Jesus. It's designed to take pressure off you. You know, he's the one that said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Listen, we operate as a church out of a place of rest. We have taken a seat on the mercy seat, and we are sitting, and we are resting. But that is a place of power, aggression. The devil does not like what's going on here today. I'm telling you what, I had a sense back there that there's devils running and demons running, and they're panicked, and they're nervous, because there's a bunch of people who are sold out for Jesus, who will not compromise who will not compromise, who will not bow to the enemy, who will not bow to the systems of the world, and we are here to stay, and we declare it. (laughs) If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. We've talked about this before, but that's because we're asking out of right motives. Now we are searching, we are seeking, we have found him, and the things that we are asking are to further the kingdom. And when, we want, when our motives are to further the kingdom, he says yes and amen to every single promise that's in the Bible. Yes and amen. He says yes, yes, yes. You want the lost? Yes. We call them in from the north, the east, the east, the south, the west. He can't talk. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. That it will not leave. That it's here to stay. The Bible says that we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. It says that we have this treasure, this divine nature in an earthen vessel. The temple is here. And the temple is there, and the temple is there, and the temple is there. The temple of God. Yes, yes. Amen. Yes and amen. That your joy, my joy, my joy, my joy, it's not my joy. Listen, this is what he is all about. It is not my joy. It's not my peace. It's not my mercy. It's not my grace. It's not my loving kindness. It's not my, it's his. It's his. And all he says is, here you go, folks. Here is this table set in the presence of your enemies, and everything that you'll ever need is on the table for your getting and for your having. And I'm convinced there's only two things that prevent us from eating. And that is we're either believing a bunch of lies or we don't yet have the knowledge of what it is. 
This is why these teachings are so important because what we're doing is we're equipping the saints and bringing this knowledge, the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord, and it is weaponry to fight in the days that come. And we scream to the world, wake up. We do. We say, wake up to the world. Wake up. Wake up. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. So what he's saying is that my joy in you may be full and there's no room for anything else. There's no room for depression. There's no room for worry. Listen, this idea of being set apart and being separated and being consecrated literally means that our hands are so full of the things of God that it's like a repellent. Those things that used to come on us are just bouncing off of us. And when we were worshiping here today and I sat back there, I saw an army. I saw shields of faith. I saw the breastplate of righteousness. I saw people's feet shod with the gospel of peace. I saw belts of truth. I saw swords of the spirit in people's hands. I saw helmets of salvation on people ready to war. And the crazy thing is, it's from a place of rest. When he said, it is finished on the cross, we're moving into a place and operating out of a place of rest. We are not striving to find God. We are not somehow trying to make our way up to him. He has come here to earth and to fill people full of the Holy Spirit, which was the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ. And when Jesus moved and healed and touched blind people, deaf people, raised the dead, that same spirit, if you are born again, is up on the inside of you. That, and he has, been, he has given us all power and authority over every enemy. Conquering sin and death. The kingdom of violence, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The Father is glorified in that we bear much fruit. We want to bring you glory. He said, abide in me. He said, stay connected. Abide in me, stay connected, stay connected. You say, how do I do that? Keep worshiping, keep praying, keep studying the word, keep gathering together. Doing these basic, simple tenets of the faith. Ways to stay connected. And you know what? He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm here to stay. He's talking about the disconnection right here. He's talking about this world that spews out vomit onto God's people and onto the world. All of these distractions and all of these thoughts and all of these images and all this stimuli trying to distract us and deter us from the one thing that's important and that is the kingdom of God. Listen, the government of God is moving and is coming onto this earth step by step by step by step. My prayer is for leaders to either get with the program or God remove them. Listen, we have to come into this house Come into our prayer closet, wherever we are, to pray. And we have to pray with force out of this place of rest. And God will move when we're praying with him and moving in stride with him. He said, I'll give you everything you ask for. Abide in me. Stay connected. Let my words abide in you. He's saying, gain the knowledge of God. So much information out there. This idea of people ever learning and learning more and knowledge increasing and there's this knowledge and that knowledge and this knowledge, but this knowledge is the most important and it needs to be up on the inside of us. Gain the knowledge of God. Stay connected. Gain the knowledge of God. He says, keep my commandments. Be obedient to what God shows you and watch joy be released. 
Watch joy be released. We are not here to quench the Spirit of God. Our cry is, Holy Spirit, move among us. Move among us. Galatians 5, 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Joy is number two. So quickly, the idea of joy versus happiness. This is, this is important to understand. We need to understand exactly what joy is. Joy is not necessarily dependent on an outside circumstance, although an outside circumstance may be just like when Mary spoke over Elizabeth that caused John the Baptist to leap with joy in her room. It may have something, but does not necessarily have to be like that, but it can be a part of it. This is why there's, so, there's such a dynamic to joy. There's so many different interesting things to think about and to study. It's not necessarily based on an outside circumstance. Happiness is. If we were all honest in here today, we would say over the course of a day, over the course of 24 hours, the idea of happiness comes and goes. It comes and goes. But joy is deeper. Joy is deeper. You could say it like this. Happiness is very superficial, whereas joy is very deep. Happiness is light. Joy is heavy. Happiness is easily moved, but the true joy of the Lord is not. Happiness is more of a feeling, and joy is more of a knowing. Not that you don't experience feelings with joy, but it's more of a knowing. I can't depend on my circumstances throughout the day to create or somehow maintain or somehow give me more joy. That's not where my joy lives. My joy lives in a person. (laughs) Uh, He said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Be not afraid. It's a peace that surpasses our understanding, and this joy is the same way. There's times when you have joy, when you have the Lord in your heart, when you, and you're in a circumstance, you think, there's, ra- there's absolutely no reason for me to have joy right now, but I have it. Yes. So joy is not happiness, necessarily. Listen to this. The word hap is the first three letters in happiness. Actually means to come about by chance or luck. Oh, boy. It's where we get the words haphazard. It's where we get the word happenstance, happening, and also happiness. I underline this, and it's in bold. Joy does not come about by luck or chance. Listen, this is why we are standing on a firm foundation. We are not on some type of quicksand. We stand on this foundation who is Jesus Christ. Joy does not come about by luck or chance. It is deliberate and it's intentional. It is a deliberate thing and it is intentional. The focus and center of joy is the great I am. Who is, who was, and who is to come. The alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. The author and finisher of our faith. Our faith, our peace, and our righteousness. This joy only comes by being directly connected to the joy giver. He is our joy, and he is our peace. Everything else, it can come and go, it can waver, it can be up and down, but he is our peace, and he is our joy. Connected to the joy giver. That is why it is called the joy of the Lord. It's not the joy of Ben Cope. It's not the joy of Kelly Cope. It's not the joy of Mark Plagier or Jeff Shoke. It's not, it's his. It's his. 
and it's full and it's complete. How important is it? Wow. Romans 14, 17. It says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. And I want to explain something real quick. You know, God was in this process. They were coming out of the Old Testament into the New, the Old Covenant, into the New Covenant. He had to continually convince them that this was not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. It was about a relationship. It was about a change of heart. The Holy Spirit was going to move on the inside of them and teach them. (laughs) Yeah? For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness. Listen to this. Peace Enjoy in the Holy Spirit. So when you break down the kingdom of God, which is this massive, complex, dynamic thing, he says you can sum it up in three words, and these are righteousness, he is our right standing, it's peace, and it's joy. Where? In the Holy Spirit. That's why you have to be born again. Jesus is the door that unlocks all of this. He is, says, I am the door of the sheep. You can't come in some other way. You have to come through me. Once you come through me, you have access that I've granted through my death and my resurrection. It is all there for the taking. <sighs> yes. Joy is one of the three pillars of the kingdom. He gave us all three. These are, our, uh, these are at our disposal. Sometimes we have to do ta- daily checks, and we have to ask the question, why don't I feel like I'm in right standing? Why do I have no peace right now? Why do I have no joy right now? The, 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 I've come, see, I've come to the conclusion, we've come to the conclusion that the sacrifice is rich and expensive enough for us to grab that, hold it, and keep it. It's not about me. It's not about my works. It's about, it's about his work. I don't know why God is, God is really emphasizing this today, but it is all about him. It is all about what he did, and once you get a revelation of what he did and who he is, you want to do the right thing. It doesn't become a chore anymore. So when God was shifting people's mindset from the old to the new, from law to grace, many people had to be convinced that it was by faith that they entered the kingdom, not by works. That God was more interested in an inward change of heart and relationship than following a list of do's and don'ts. He was teaching them to come and to rest and to stop striving, to stop trying to work their way to him and earn his love and realize it was a free gift. We're moving. Luke 17, 20 through 21. This is what it says. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Again, listen to what he's saying. Nor will they say, see here or see there, because they were used to outward things, rituals, Doing things outwardly, constantly, to try to earn or buy back or somehow get closer. He says it doesn't come like that, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Here's the revelation. I got joy, I got peace, and I've got righteousness if I've got him. It's all all mine to be had. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. So we can say righteousness, peace, and joy, something we can experience because we possess them. The devil likes to get, get you in a place where you think you have to go, do, ba, ah. He wants us to operate out of a place of rest, out of rest. It doesn't mean we hang out on the couch. Huh. You hear me. That rest is a place of power, knowing and moving that he is the one that did it all. He completed it all. 
613 laws in the Old Testament, and he, I completed it all, everything. And we talked about this. The only things that can block our access to them, well, three, we're not, either not born again, or we're, we're born again, and we're deceived, believing lies, or we have a lack of knowledge. The Bible says my people perish for the lack of knowledge or revelation. This is why teaching about things concerning the kingdom is so important. It breaks down the walls that the enemy has built. Jesus was constantly preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. When he spent those 40 days after he was buried and resurrected, he hadn't yet ascended. He spent 40 days on earth teaching what? Teaching them about the kingdom of God. Teaching them about peace. Teaching them about joy. Teaching them about right standing and righteousness. And man, they took it and ran with it. Whew. Okay. Two more scriptures. Psalm 16, 1 through 11. This is what it says. Man, see, this is, God is not going to just put a bunch of information out. He is gonna, he's going to say, this is how you do it. This is how, this is how you operate out of joy. This is David speaking. He said, preserve me, O God, for you I have put my trust. Listen to what he's saying now. In you I have put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. He's saying, the only way I can possibly talk and commune with you is because you're righteous. Not me. Not me. My goodness is nothing apart from you is what he says. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. You know, it says in Proverbs, it says, the joy of the hypocrite does not last. It's like a broken cistern. It's like a pitcher that has these little tiny holes in it, and it gets filled up with this and that. And then the next day or the next week or whatever, they realize they're empty again. But this joy isn't like that. It's not like that. It's not like the world has to give. Their sorrow shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. Listen to what he's saying. Oh, Lord, you are my portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. He says, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Listen to what he's saying here. He's just affirming this positive that's coming out of him about who God is. It's thanksgiving, it's blessing, it's gratitude. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night season. Aren't you glad that your heart instructs you in the night season? I have set the Lord. Ooh, listen. I have set the Lord. This is David talking now because he said all these things. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. That means with me or beside me, I shall not be moved. I have set the Lord always before me. Hear that. That's intentional and that's deliberate. Therefore, therefore, my heart is glad, my heart rejoices, and my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in hell or Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Why is it important to seek after him and to pray and to worship and to gather together? Because in his presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, he says, are pleasures forevermore. I have a question for you. Where are you seated? 
You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Where is he? He is at the right hand of the Father. That is your position. That is your position. My flesh will rest in hope. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. <laughs> seated with Christ in heavenly places. David said, I have set the Lord always before me. Again, it's intentional. It's deliberate. This, all this teaching in the New Testament about our minds. Our minds. Think upon these things. Think upon these things. Things that are true. Right? He's constantly trying to deal with this. The renewing of this. And then in Hebrews 12, and this is where we're finishing up. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 4. So powerful. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, it says, let us lay aside every weight, and let us lay aside every sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He has put out a race to be run before us. What's it say? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the, listen to this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Isn't that interesting? David has just talked about that I continually put the Lord before me, in front of my eyes. And now here, Jesus, it says, he's the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That is the power of joy. Now when he was being kicked and spit on and, 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 humiliated and beaten and did that feel good but did the, did the joy lead no it says he he said it is set before him because of that joy it was like a drawing it was like a magnet to complete his destiny that is how important joy is looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising the shame that literally were that we taught talked about this before, but the word despise is to think little or nothing of. See, it doesn't necessarily mean, obviously Jesus didn't like it, but that doesn't necessarily, that's not the focus here. The focus is that Jesus overcame the shame, took on that shame, took on the sin of the world because of you and because of me. For the joy that even one would cross over and come to the kingdom. What power is in that. He's the author and the finisher. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down. Isn't it interesting? This idea of continually talking about at the right hand, at the right hand of power. I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. No, worshipers can come up. For consider him. Listen to this. For consider him. And this, this is stuff we need to take upon ourselves and think about in the days to come. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. He's like, take the example of Jesus who, who endured the cross for the joy that was set before him and take that mindset for you. And then he says, you have not yet resisted bloodshed striving against sin. He's literally saying, let this propel you. Let this be a thing where you think about in the day where you're feeling weary, you're feeling despondent, or you're feeling lethargic, or feel, you know, any of these things. He's like, think about this, that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. That is the power of joy. 
No wonder it's the second on the list. The word looking is literally a verb. It's this word, afaro. <laughs> it means to turn the eyes away from other things and to fix them on something else. Man, oh man, oh man. You know, the word that, that Bishop Garlington spoke over Jeff, one of the things he said in the midst of the word, he looked at, it, it was either him or his wife, but it said, I think it was his wife, keep your eyes on Jesus. That's what was said. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Turning the eyes away from other things to fix them on something else. Set before him is another action word. It's a verb. To be placed before the eyes or in front of, to be, this really spoke to me here, to be present, you know, to be present in the moment. In other words, my mind is not somewhere off tomorrow or next week or next month. It's not somewhere in the past. The past is done. We can't control that. We can't control the future, but we can control now. To be present. Y'all can stand. To be placed before the eyes or in front of, to be present, to be at hand, to lie in sight, to be first, to be appointed, and to be destined. You're destined to experience joy. You're destined to experience peace and righteousness and all of these things. No wonder in James it talks about, <laughs> my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy. I wrote below it, maybe our addition might be off. Counting it all joy. It's not 50%, it's not 75%, it's not 25%. He said, count it all joy. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven, tossed by the wind. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The double-minded who is unstable in all his ways is depending on an outward sign and an outward circumstance that dictate their joy. They are not in a position to receive from God because they live in a state of doubt. They walk according to the flesh and not the spirit. So we pray right now, Lord, and we seal this word, joy. He came, and it was joy to the world. And we thank you for the power of that joy. And I just pray as your people move, and even now, move throughout this week and, and later today, let this be in front of us, that he paid the sacrifice for us to experience joy, not just joy, but also peace and right standing with him. And we keep that in front of our face. We keep that in front of our eyes. Lead us to victory, Lord, in this earth. We know you already did it, and you said it is finished. Lord, and we know that you are building an army. There's churches all throughout the world where people are waking up even further and even further. You're taking off blinders. You're taking off scales. You're taking off curtains. You're removing, you're removing these things, Lord, so that we can see clearly what you're doing in the earth. And Lord, we pray a great awakening would come even to this area, that it would even flow out of this house and the houses surrounding, that there would be a great awakening, a great awakening in this region, a great awakening in the state and in this country and in this world. You gave us the keys to the kingdom and you said use them. One of the keys is prayer and we pray. And we pray for leadership. We pray for the government of God to infiltrate. We pray that you would move in a mighty, mighty way in this house, in this city, in this region, in this state, in this country, in this world. And we welcome your kingdom. 
You said pray like this. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray that your kingdom would come to this earth as it is in heaven. Whatever's in heaven would be released into this earth. You have equipped your people and you will be further, further equipping your people to do battle from a place of rest. To do warfare from a place of peace. You went to that cross and you didn't fight it. You didn't push against it. You even hung on that cross and you said, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. Let that spirit be upon us. That we move in love and in truth and in the power of the spirit. That we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight in the heavenlies. We fight from a place of being bowed down. We fight from a place of rest. We fight from this mercy seat that you'd have us to sit on. We pray an infiltration and a saturation. Let your word come in power. That you're raising up leaders even within this body to move further into the prophetic. You're raising up your fivefold, your pastors and your teachers and your apostles and your, and your prophets. You're raising them up. Let this be a house that blesses you. We pray all these names and we seal this word in your name. And if the prayer people want to come.